Praise the Lord. You may be seated at the midnight cry. I want to be saved, folks. You're going to have to make up your mind you want to be saved in spite of any and everything. If he can't get you to go out and get drunk, he'll try to get you to get a bad attitude. He'll try to let something offend you. Uh, anything that he can do to keep us from standing in tune with the Holy Ghost. And the people that make it are going to have fought their way there. This is a true statement. Uh, there is really no such thing as just sliding by. you either gaining ground or losing ground. That's just the, the real facts of the matter there. I want to be saved. Above everything else, I want to be saved. Want the Lord to do whatever He's got to do to me. I pray that prayer lots of times. Uh, thank you, brother. I don't want to get fired up here and trip over that cord. I'm a little stiff from playing softball yesterday, brother Jr. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I felt 22 when we started that first game. I felt 52 really by the time we got through. But uh, I say, you know, guys, where's these girls at now? These girls came down yesterday and cheered us on. And they, I told them, if you, you need to remember that same enthusiasm in church tomorrow night. Nothing wrong getting excited about killing a deer or shopping or whatever you like to do. But there ought to be the same, at least, intensity for Jesus Christ in whatever you do. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn to 2 Samuel, the 23rd chapter. Praise the Lord. 2 Samuel 23. Hallelujah. Well, I hope everybody will have a good day tomorrow. When the brother met his ass, come here, y'all off tomorrow. Don't lean on brother Eckhart. We never know. <laughs> we never know uh, when something's going to happen or somebody's going to call. And uh, I hope I'm off tomorrow. Uh, that means that everything is going well. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 1 said, Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel saith, The rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Then I want to drop down a few verses just to save you a little time there. The verse 9. Well, let's start with verse 8. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adonai, the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, that's a bad man there now. 800 by himself. And after him was Eli. Azur, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to, to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. 
And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. And David was then in a hold. And the, you ever feel like he was in a hold? <laughs> he was in the hold. And the garrison of the Philistine was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And everybody say, praise the Lord. And bless you, you may be seated. You ever think of what kind of man David really must have been? Do you know to have men like these be your followers, what kind of man you must be? To have a man that slew 800 say, I submit myself to your authority. David was not only an intellectual man, he had to have been a great warrior. I mean, this man David that we've heard so much about undoubtedly uh, was one of the most uh, anointed and gifted men probably that ever lived because you don't get mighty men following you unless you're a mighty man. And that's just the way it happens. But I want to preach tonight, and I, and, I, and I love this story here about breaking through. The enemy here was located between David and him and the refreshing water. And I will show there's something probably between you and what you want in God tonight. There's something that's holding you back from getting what you want. Oh, there's some problem that's hindering you to keep you from getting what you want. And David just made the statement out loud, Oh, that if I just had a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. Have you ever thought that in your mind? Oh, if I could just go back to that camp meeting service. If I could just go back to January the 15th, 1997, Brother Joe. If I could just just get back to that place. I remember that night I felt the touch of the Holy Ghost. But what you need to understand, you can't go back to that date. But what you do have is you have a service tonight that if you'll make up your mind that there's not a problem that you can't press through. There's not a situation that you can't overcome. And say, God, I got to break through. I got to have the touch of the Holy Ghost. And so they broke through. And you know, in the battle, and I, like I say, I'm thankful uh, that I wasn't in the service. I would have gone if I'd have been drafted, and, and I was so messed up anyway. It'd have been bad if I'd have been in the service. But I do appreciate that. But any time there's a battle, and of course, I look back many times, and uh, I, I talk about King's Temple uh, every now and then. Maybe it's more than I think I do. But I love Shreveport because that's where I really got a hold of God. It's a special place to me. And I say, I love to go in that prayer room, and, and I find almost the spot I was standing. And I know that's just a, a building, uh, and it's really a block building kind of some type. I don't know what it is. And that's just carpet. Uh, but it's a special place to me. Uh, because that's where I break through. That's where I got so hungry and I got so desperate that I said, I don't care what I got to do. I don't care what I got to give up. I'm willing, God, to lay it all down. I'm willing to give you everything I've got. I'm willing to forsake every bad habit that I have if I can just get some peace in my life. And if you're here tonight and you're not right with God, that could be your place tonight. You could look back to this night and say, I remember May the 28th of the year 2000 that I broke through and I got a touch from the Holy Ghost there. 
And so if you're parched or tired or hot or staggering, you need to drink from the well tonight. Uh, those of us that have the Holy Ghost, uh, no matter how sweet the water's been the last few Sunday nights, uh, and the Lord has been pouring out His Spirit here, uh, the truth is it's easy to get dry again. Uh, it's easy to get hardened again. It's easy to let something happen. Uh, Psalm says there is a river, the streams whereof uh, make glad the city of God. Uh, we need the river to flow tonight. Uh, every time we come to the house of the Lord, uh, we need the river to flow we can't waste a service we can't realize that this could be somebody's last chance and there is a password I don't know if you ever read many mysteries I've read a lot of mysteries in my younger days in particular and sometimes if you was meeting somebody you didn't know they'd give you the password and you, you're supposed to walk up to the park and there'd be a guy wearing a red hat short sleeve shirt and uh, some kind of tennis shoe sitting on the bench you're supposed to walk up to him and say how far is it to Jackson and he had, to, he had to say the same words he's supposed to say. Four hours if you go to Biloxi and back. If he didn't say it just like that, it wasn't the right word. I say, there's the word tonight. <laughs> the word is Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I say, that's the secret tonight. That's the password tonight. He said, him that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're hurting tonight, if you got a problem tonight, if you're lost tonight, if you don't know where to turn tonight, you need to call upon the name of the Lord. For the name of the Lord is a strong and a mighty tower, and the righteous run therein and are safe. Hallelujah. I say, what's that name? Hallelujah. And what did he tell him? That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's when you get your sins remitted is in baptism. I say, that's when he washes them all away. What a wonderful feeling. And don't let me forget Brother Joe. When Brother Joe called me and he asked me, he said, Brother Beckton, I just wonder if it'd be all right if I got baptized again. Now, you know, I don't believe biblically you have to, but I want you to know I've had a friend or two that it bothered him. I said, Brother Joe, I'll be glad to. Don't let the devil beat you over the head about anything. Uh, Sister Carl, you kind of enjoyed that getting baptized again, didn't you? Hallelujah. We baptized her mother a few months ago, uh, and before I got behind there, she said, Brother Beck, if you don't mind. She said, I believe I'd like to get baptized again myself. And I tell you, we both had a good old time. I say there's something about remembering uh, the power of the blood uh, and the power of the name. Praise God, I'm so glad that I understand that it's repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because he told them, he said, you go and tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You don't have to sin every day. I don't care what the denominal church world is trying to say. You don't have to lie. You don't have to steal. You don't have to drink and smoke and dope. You don't have to do that. You can get the power of God inside of you. That gives you the ability to say no to the devil and no to the flesh. I'm so glad that I've got power that you can't see that God is living inside of me. And if you don't have it tonight, he wants to give it to you. And if you've had it, it's kind of ebb and low. He wants it to overflow. Hallelujah. Revelation said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. That's just whosoever will. It's just right here. You don't have to have a certain bloodline, a pedigree. It's not about your education. It's not about your abilities. It's just that desire. And we read that one of the mighty men was the son of Dodo. Now, how'd you like to be the son of Dodo? You know, what's your name? Jim Dodo. You know, oh, you're the son of Bill Dodo, aren't you? 
You're a real dodo, aren't you? You know, I'm just saying, can you imagine? This man's name was not really one of those kind of catchy names. It wasn't one of those that really just sounded, you know, just right. But you see, what I'm glad is, is that the Bible is saying, that Jesus is saying tonight, I'm not worried about where you came from. All I'm caring about is what will you do from here on. You don't have to have a certain name. You don't have to have a certain pedigree. You don't have to have been brought up in a Pentecostal church. He just says, anybody that's got a desire and got a hunger. He doesn't care how many times you've messed up. He doesn't care how many times you've fallen down. If you'll just get back up and say, God, I want to try again. You see, God has chosen the foolish, the weak, the base that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, we have got some gifted people in Pentecost today and, uh, and nothing wrong with that. Wish they had more gifts and abilities because you can be more effective a lot of times. Uh, but the bottom line, what brought us to this point in the year 2000 was not gifted people. It was people that knew how to pray. It was people that knew how to fast. It was people that knew how to sacrifice. And my generation doesn't know much about sacrifice. I don't know if we know enough about praying and fasting. Uh, but we have been blessed uh, and God has poured it on us. Uh, but if we're going to have real revival, the same thing that brought revival when Brother Adcock was a young preacher is what's going to bring revival in the year 2000. Uh, you're still going to have to pray. Uh, you're still going to have to fast. Uh, there's going to be some times you got to break through uh, that you lay aside every weight uh, and every sin uh, that would so easily beset you and say, God, I'm pressing through tonight. Jesus saw the multitudes of this religious feast and they were bound by tradition they were dry and thirsty and he said this and he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water see the old testament thinking was here's my cup lord I lift it up lord fill it up the old testament was their, their thought was lord just pour me a drink right here but in the new testament he said you don't have to try to get a container you are the container he that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You really don't pray the Holy Ghost down. You let it out is what you really do. I say it's living inside of you. And there's some of you need to break through tonight and forget about your problems and your situations and your turmoil and say, God, flow through me tonight. I say there's a battle going on, folks. And I, I trust everybody's aware of that. It doesn't seem like everybody's aware of that. There's a battle going on right now for our young people. There's a battle going on right now for our, our young couples. There's a battle going on for our children. And we're fighting this battle. And everybody needs to be aware. Brother Eckhart talking about that young man. You see, all he knew was every time something moved, he fired. He didn't know that everybody was dead. There comes a point in your life that you realize, I can't depend on mama's prayer anymore. I mean, she's praying for me, but that's not enough. Uh, young people, you got to learn to build your own fire. You got to learn to realize uh, I'm slipping back a little bit. Uh, you got to learn to realize uh, I'm not quite on fire like I was. Uh, and I know where that's going to lead me. And I'm going to stir up the gift within me. Because we know when we're kind of sliding back a little bit. 
We know when we're not quite as intense as we were, but somehow we allow ourselves to think, well, next service, you know, or, or youth camp's coming up or camp meeting's coming up, and, and I'll get a touch right there. You may not make it to youth camp, or you may be so down and out, but then you don't care about going. You've got to grow spiritually and understand that when you're not feeling the Lord, and when you're not really doing like you ought to do, that something is wrong inside, and something is between you and what you need to have, and you got to make up your mind. If I got to fight, if I got to claw, if I got to stumble, if I got to get on my belly and crawl, that I've got to get something from God, that I can't live like this. I need the joy of the Lord. I'd hate trying to live for the Lord without the joy. And I see lots of people in my line of work that's trying to live for God without the joy. And it's got to be a miserable way to live. It's got to be a miserable way. And actually, I've kind of been there a few times in my life. Just kind of holding on, you know, just trying to keep not just totally going out in the world. But I can't live there very long because it's a dangerous place. It's a slippery place there when you're you're straddling the fence and, and you want to live for God, but yet you want to do some things in the world. It's a terrible place to be in your mind. And the devil knows just how to work you. And he knows how to get your friends to say the wrong thing, to come up and tempt you. And that's why you got to get your eyes on him and say, I remember how good it felt when I was on fire for God. I remember I didn't care how much money I had. I didn't care what I was doing on Friday or Saturday night. As long as everything is right with me and the Lord. That's all that counts. Of course the scripture that we love, uh, any preacher probably loves, is says from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of God suffereth violence. says it allows violence or it allows force or it allows intensity. God loves intensity. You're not going to get a lot from God if you're not reaching out with everything you've got. He wants to know, do you love me enough to lay it all on the line? Are you willing to put everything aside? Are you willing to lay aside anything that might be hindering you? Are you mature enough to understand that, God, I've got to use some force. If whatever i got to do, i got to get intense. I say, if I get in trouble, I want somebody that knows what they're doing. I want somebody that's excited about what they're doing. I want the doctor not to show up for work and say, well, you know, no, that's got to come out. I don't feel like doing it, but let's do it. That's not the kind of doctor I want. I want a doctor that's kind of intense about what he's doing. I want somebody that knows what's going on. We need to understand, folks, the world is lost out there, and we are the body of Christ today. They are dependent upon us. Jesus is dependent upon us. He's the head, but we're the body. The only hands they're ever going to see are yours. The only voice they're ever going to hear is yours, that we got to reach out. And the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent, they take it by force. They make up their mind that I am willing to do battle and I tell you what when you draw a line in the sand somebody's going to come along and test you I said that old boy in Waldo Arkansas I don't think I told you this in a long time he, he was he wasn't a real big fella brother Mellis kind of a little skinny fella he wasn't about 14 and he told that one boy he said I just dare you to hit me the boy hit him knocked him down he just I just dare you to do it again and he knocked him down again he never asked nobody else that because you see he thought that boy wouldn't hit him you better realize, folks, when you tell the devil on Sunday night, God, I'm going to give you everything I got. I'm going to love you with everything I got. The devil's going to be waiting for you Monday. He don't come around here on me on Sunday night usually. Man, I'm feeling good in the Holy Ghost. Man, I get home sometimes. I just still, matter of fact, Monday mornings, I wake up sometimes just, woo, I feel good. He don't come to me when I'm feeling like that. He waits about Wednesday morning. 
taps me on the shoulder and says, I hear you've been looking for me. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I don't feel like fighting right now. You know what's bad about fighting? That you don't get to pick the time all the way. If you was in the foxhole over there somewhere fighting, you don't get to say, hey, it's bedtime, boys. Don't you Germans go to bed at 6 o'clock? You didn't get to do that. And I tell you what, I imagine there were some people didn't like who they was in the foxhole with. I don't want no slacker if I'm in the foxhole. I don't want somebody likes to sleep if I'm in the foxhole. I don't want somebody don't know how to use the gun in the foxhole. I want somebody that's watching that side over there that's got their eyes wide open that every time there's a sound, they're ready to shoot that gun. We need some people in the church to realize there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. And it's time that we arm ourselves. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The enemy ain't going to sit idly by. Many people in the Bible, of course, are examples of the desire, determination. Of course, the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says she had spent all that she had. Why is it you have to spend everything you have? You have to get in bad health. You have to lose everything you got before you'll come to God. I don't know why that is, but it's true a lot of the time. I don't know if it's the majority, but it may be the majority. That people can't just somehow seem to get sincere. It's usually when they got problems in their life. They got a physical problem, a financial problem, an emotional problem, some kind of problem that they get stirred up. Aren't you glad that God will take you even like that? (laughs) You know, we ought to just realize that God loves us so much uh, that, Lord, I'm feeling good and I'm going to give you my life now. But for some reason, too many times we have to get backed in the corner and we've tried the doctor and we've tried the banker and we've tried everything we can think of and finally we say Lord I guess I'm going to trust you and the Lord said why did you do that in the first place the Bible says this woman had spent all that she had and she wasn't any better she grew worse I've read a place or two there when they they gave if you had a blood disease they just cut you back and let you bleed a little bit thinking you get rid of the bad blood you lose much blood folks you're weak you lose that blood they didn't know what else to do if you ever want to read some horror stories go back what some of the doctors did back many years ago they didn't know what to do you know well I don't know you're not walking right let me cut your leg off maybe that'll help you can't walk right without your leg I mean I'm just saying there's something wrong but they was just experiment on you and sometimes they still experiment on you the doc, they call it the practice of medicine and sometimes they pray anybody ever find out they're practicing on you they give you a medicine and it reacts the wrong way my, my father-in-law woke up one morning blind. He really could only see out of one eye good. And they had changed his medicine. And somehow it had a reaction there. And he couldn't even see. And thankfully that's all they had to do was change the medicine there. But we live in a world the devil's going to try everything he can to try to discourage you. He's going to try to tell you that people don't care about you. He's going to try to tell you that, that you know everybody just overlooks you. He'll do anything he can. But what you've got to make up your mind, I want to be saved. I don't have to sing to be saved. I don't have to preach to be saved. I don't have to have a position to be saved. That God, I've just got to be saved. Whatever I got to do, whatever's got to happen in my life, God, I got to be saved. Mark, the second chapter, talks about the, the, the man that they had to tear the roof up to get him in. Seemed improper, seemed like it wasn't necessary, but they had an obstacle in front of them. I'm asking you again, what is your obstacle tonight? What's keeping you from really being on fire for God? What is it? What, what, is there a habit that you just can't conquer? Or is it just discipline? 
You just can't make yourself pray every day. You just can't make yourself read the Bible every day. I promise you, if you'd read your Bible every day for 30 days and pray 15 or 20 minutes every day for 30 days, you'll see a little difference in you. I promise you, you will, if you hadn't been doing that. There's something about consistency that does you some good. If you just do push-ups once a month, it doesn't do anything but make you sore. It doesn't help you at all. But you get to doing that stuff regular. When I was a boy, I took the Charles Atlas course. You probably knew that, didn't you? But uh, I wanted to get that. Uh, he used to run them advertisements, 98-pound on weekly, and a guy kicked sand in your face, then it showed him all hooked up. And I finally, they wanted 60 bucks or something for it. I, I couldn't buy it. A few weeks later, they sent me a deal. We got a few that's off-centered that we'll let you have for 29 I couldn't afford it. Finally, they sent me it for $5. I, th- I got it for $5. And they got you doing push-ups between chairs. You ever done push-ups between chairs? Hey, if you want to, hey, you can add some, boys, you can add two inches to your chest in a month's time. Easy if you do push-ups. You get them chairs by the and you just go to, boy, and it'll just stretch you out there. But you see, I, I said, man, I won't do that. Boy, I, the only problem is once you quit, <laughs> you get this Dunlap disease. But anyway, I'm just saying that it, it, it just, it's a, it's a problem there. But I had a desire that God, I want to work out. Boys, that's why I hit the ball like I do. I did them push-ups between chairs. You had to build up some strength somewhere. And you got to understand, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, it's not going to come just casually. It's not going to have people that are strong in the faith. God didn't just point them out and say, hey, I'm going to make them great. I'm going to make them special. They had a desire in their heart. And they were willing to discipline themselves. Everybody wants to win. But the will to prepare must be as great as the will to win. Everybody wants to have good church on Sunday night but if we don't have prayer on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday we're not going to have good church on Sunday night somebody's got to have the desire to prepare and say I understand Lord I'm going to do my part I'm going to get a hold of you because I had it in my notes here brother number C there Zacchaeus you see Zacchaeus he's talking about Zacchaeus I like it when somebody gets on my notes well, only a preacher appreciate that. Oh, Zacchaeus was a, it don't, we, don't, we used to think that song, he was a wee little man. I don't know how little he was, but it is true, everybody did hate him. He was the tax collector, and he got to set how much he charged. Boy, that'd be a bad deal, wouldn't it? I mean, he got to set, he got to charge more. He could add a little to it, or he did add a little to it. I don't need him adding none to mine. I mean, I'm having enough trouble paying mine as it is. But you can see, if you found out, if I was over at the old brother Adcock's house, and I said, you know, I had to pay, I had to pay 25% Social Security tax. He said, you did? He said, I only paid 15%. You only paid, boy, it would make me mad. You mean that guy got me for 25% you only paid 15%? That, that, that guy's a crook. I'm going to get him, but you couldn't get him because he's the law. I said, that made you mad and angry. People didn't even want to see him saved probably. You know, I, I, I saw a little cartoon the other day. It, it showed this guy getting into heaven. And just as he opened heaven, there was a man standing there, had a little briefcase that said IRS. And he said, I thought that ended when I died. I mean, he was waiting for him up there. But I'm just saying, you got to understand this man was not well liked. You understand, you know why we have our armed forces, though? Because the IRS. You understand why we have a lot of the things that we have in the government? We do have to have the money. But Zacchaeus was a crook. But when he saw Jesus coming, and to me, he was a rich man. A lot of rich people have too much pride to get saved. 
They have too much pride to come and kneel at an altar. They have too much pride to cry and weep in front of people. But Zacchaeus, something must have happened in his life. Something must have clicked in his mind. He had heard these stories about Jesus. And somehow his desire to see Jesus was greater than what anybody thought about him. You're going to have to get a desire to live for God if you're the only one in your family that lives for God. you got to get a hunger in your heart that if your husband doesn't do it, I'm still going to do it. If my wife doesn't do it, I'm still going to do it. If my mom and dad don't do it, I'm still going to do it. If my children don't do it, I'm still going to do it. you got to get a hunger that you're not worried about what men think about you, what the people on the job think about you, but I'm trying to see Jesus. The Bible talks there in the New Testament about they love the praises of men more than they love the praises of God. Because you see, you're going to, in the world today, if you live right, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. There's going to be some people make fun of you. They really are. There's going to be some people call you Holy Joe. There's going to be some people make fun of especially our ladies. How come you always dressing like that? Man, what, what are you doing with that hair all the time? And they'll, they'll make fun of them. And you have to make up your mind. I'm not worried about what they think. I want to know what Jesus thinks. And Zacchaeus somehow, he reached that point of desperation. And he climbed up in that tree. I'm sure other people saw him thinking, man, that guy has lost it all. And he literally climbed out on a limb. When you get ready to get right with God, you actually get out on a limb. Because I said, God, I want to quit all that stuff, but I don't know if I can or not. But I'm sick and tired of it. And you reach that point that you're willing to take that leap of faith where you step out there and say, God, I'm going to give it all to you. And I'm going to trust you that you're going to deliver me. And you're going to give me strength and grace and power and authority. And I'm telling you, he'll do it tonight. You need to make up your mind I'm going to break through. And so David said, oh, for a drink. The Bible doesn't say what they had to do to break through. I can't tell you always what to do to break through because I don't know all your situation. All I know is you got to get desperate enough that you're willing to do anything, anything, whatever you got to do. If, if praying 30 minutes a day don't do it, you got to pray 45 minutes. If reading one chapter a day don't do it, read two. If you can't keep the joy, you just got to keep up with it. That's just all it takes. I've got to do whatever it takes. I've got to reach that point because you can reach a point that really it's a wonderful thing living for the Lord. If you'll pray every day, you'll build yourself up. That as long as you keep praying, the desire to go back in the world won't tempt you. But you quit praying and all of a sudden you'll hear the call of the wild again because he's lying out there at the door hoping somebody's going to leave here tonight that doesn't have what they need. But Jesus wants you to come tonight and say, Lord, I need a fresh drink. Lord, I need a fresh touch. Lord, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. I want to feel the power of God. It's time that we break through. I, I don't know if jumping up and down really helps or not, but in my mind it helps me because I get desperate. You know, I, I wished, uh, I, I, wished I, I could tell you there was some little one, two, three that you could do. I wished I could. But God, I think, designed it on purpose. I, I, you try to get people to yield to the Holy Ghost. I don't know how to tell them to do that. You just get so hungry that somehow you finally cross that bridge there. Some people can do it the first time they come to the altar. 
Other people it takes months, maybe even years. Somehow they can't get their mind geared up. They don't know what to do. And you can't tell them what to do. Lay it all on the altar, brother. That's it. Press on. Hold on. Let go. Boy, we're just praying and we're trying to do everything we can. But somehow inside of you, there's got to be that desire that says, God, I am not satisfied with where I'm at. That I understand that I need to get closer to you. I understand that I'm not right maybe with you. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And you've got to get that attitude. I think all of us could use a good drink from the fountain. You know, I, that's why uh been a little while since I, if y'all come on to the music. Uh, remember my brother telling about that man in Menden, Louisiana and his wife had lived for God 40 years or something. He wouldn't hardly ever come. Then he got to come in some. But he told me, if I get the Holy Ghost, I promise you one thing. I won't run and do like y'all do. But he told him. I promise you I won't do that. So I'm just not that kind of guy. And you know, the Lord spoke to my brother. And really when I think about this, this is mind-boggling. Gary called some of the family that didn't even live in Menden and told him, you need to come to church tonight. Your dad's going to get the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's faith. He said the Lord spoke to him told me that man, he's going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. He said he got up there and preached and the man was sitting right like I always did. He got up and Gary thought he was going out. But he got to the back and made the corner and come back, knelt down and prayed. And they got to praying for him. And Gary got over there. And I don't remember if he even got his hand on him or not. And all of a sudden that man began to speak in tongues. And when he did, he went running across the plot. And old Gary, you just have to know Gary. I thought you wasn't going to do it. I thought you wasn't going to run. I thought you wasn't going to shout. Just hollering right beside him, just agging him on the whole way. That man reached a point. He didn't care what his wife thought or his children thought or his friends thought. He said, I've got to have a drink. And when he got a drink, all of a sudden, it just felt good inside. All of a sudden, the joy of the Lord began to flow. And he didn't know what to do. He decided he'd run. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand right now? Hallelujah. Let's sing a little chorus here. I want us to reach up to the Lord. Why don't we gather up around the altar for a minute? Why don't we gather up, y'all? It's only 10 minutes. We need to worship the Lord. There's a few people here tonight that need to get some joy. There's maybe somebody here needs the Holy Ghost. Jesus, help us, Lord, right now. Come on, church. Let's pray to the Lord right now. Mighty God, you see everyone that's here. You know what they need to feel right now. Pray for somebody right there beside you. Oh, God. I'm going to yield myself, Lord. Almighty God, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, you got to cry out with everything you got. Oh, you got to reach up with everything you got. You got to be hungry. You got to be desperate. Oh, God, touch me, Lord. Oh.